Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks Podcast. I am your host, Ben Kreider, and today I'm going to be discussing some of the people that could potentially be on the table for the Oklahoma City Thunder, at least from what I have gathered, who most likely will be traded from our roster. And then I'm also going to be previewing the Thunder Minnesota Timberwolves game that we have coming up tonight. But just starting it off, I mean, I talked about college basketball in the last podcast. This one, it's not as great of a day because, you know, ORU, they advanced to Sweet 16. I'm loving that. That's a team that pretty much everybody can get behind, whether you're from Oklahoma or not, like a 15 seed. Just kind of coated with firepower. I mean, you got Max Acemus and Kevin O'Banner looking like NBA stars right now. Like nobody can contain them. I think that they are, they're playing Arkansas in that in their next game. So that'll be a fun matchup. I think that now, since there's a lot of time to prepare, I mean, they're just going to scheme around those two guys. And, you know, there are some other people who made some pretty clutch shots in that game, but it definitely comes down to that two-man game if they're going to they're gonna advance. So you got to keep rooting for them. I'm just upset about the Oklahoma State loss, and, you know, that's that. We just could not contain anybody from downtown. And they had a dude who was listed as 7'1". This guy was about 7'5". On a bad day, there's no way you can convince me this guy's 7'1". And he's going up against, you know, our 6'6", 6'7 centers. It was too easy. And they, they, they couldn't really pick it back up in that second half. They left the door open whenever Cade Cunningham got that beautiful steal and then hits the three, cuts it to, you know, a three-point game with three minutes to go. That's when you could see a turning point. Didn't fall their way, though. So, yeah, now they're on the wayside. I mean, that Loyola-Chicago-Oklahoma State game would have been probably the most fun Oklahoma State basketball game I would have been able to watch, like, ever. So, I mean, there's not a lot of deep tournament runs coming our way anyways. So, just to see them going up against Loyola with, like, Cameron Crutwig, that would have been amazing. But you don't get to see it. You get to see Oregon State going up against them. I bet everybody's a big fan of that one. So, those games, the first day of games, that that grouping of those two regions so much better than the ones you have in um in today's games. And you know, there's the OU Gonzaga game, that one's going to be nice. I think that the Kansas USC game probably could be one of the most fun games of the tournament to be quite honest with you. Want to see even more action from the Mobley brothers, so yeah, you get to see that. It's at 8.32, so you do not have to worry about you know schedules clashing between the Thunder and um, and the college basketball game. But yeah, I mean, that's going to be fun to, to watch. But we got to assess the Thunder right now. And I always have to keep saying it, but the March 25th deadline keeps ticking day by day. And we have approached the actual week of it. Now, I was listening to, I think it was Keith Smith, and... I thought he kind of had a pretty good assessment of things like the Monday of the trade week is just really, really quiet. And you're going to have teams that are trying to gather info. You know, if anyone makes a call, they're going to be saying, you need to give me all this stuff. Like they're just overvaluing, valuing the crap out of their players. And then on that flip side, no one's willing to give up real value for everybody's everybody. So the only way you're getting a deal on, on today or tomorrow, probably is if you're talking on the phone with just a complete bozo and you know there's a couple gms around the league who keep coughing up and making terrible trades i don't know if sam presti is going to be able to talk to them but i mean there's always those couple of 
boneheaded GMs that you can kind of finesse. I don't think it's going to happen right now. I think all the trades are probably going to be coming on Wednesday and Thursday. But it's nice to kind of set up the table for what could come from the Thunder in the next coming days. And I want to start with some of the players that, you know, I think that the fan base is kind of rumored about, like, you know, other sources whenever I'd like, you know, I'm just trying to gather kind of intel, whether it's like on Twitter or just online, people making like rumors on Thunder players, like, should we get player A and player B? And I totally get it. And, you know, I'm kind of into that stuff too. But I really just want to make a deep dive into this and not just be like, oh yeah, he'd be great on our team. I think that it needs to be fairly kind of analyzed whether Sam Presti should even make an offer to these guys and kind of the ripple effect it would have on a roster if you bring somebody in. So I have a pretty short list of people who have been discussed, whether it's widespread around the league or just kind of with the Oklahoma City Thunder team, at least the rumors. We don't really have any real pool of players that Sam Presti has been interested in because he's really just selling off. He's not really pursuing anybody. But yeah, I, I believe how many names is this? Yeah, I got four names here and then I also have a fifth one kind of just throw in there as one who's a little bit lower on that scale, but I actually really like him. If you guys have been listening to this podcast for a while, you already know who number five is going to be. But yeah, just starting it off, I had Marvin Bagley Jr. This is a guy that I did a whole episode on about two months ago whenever his father was like going crazy and he was like, get him off the team or whatever. That's when his value was the lowest. He's actually rejuvenated it a lot with the Kings because he's been getting minutes and his stock has went from this guy who was going to be locker room cancer to he's posting close to 14 points a game this year while giving you seven and a half rebounds. And this is in a role where in Sacramento where minutes don't come by easily. They have way too many front court players. And I guess Bagley would be that loose string unless like a Harrison Barnes gets moved. But he's a small forward, so I don't know. I mean, they just have way too many people up there. They need guards, they need picks. And the market for Marvin Bagley, from what I have seen, is just a first round pick. That is the asking price for Marvin Bagley. Didn't specify what kind of first round pick, but I'm just going to assume probably ballpark like mid teens, late 20s is what the Sacramento Kings would be eyeballing for a deal there. And we have that. We have all these picks 17 firsts, I think 15 seconds in the next six or so years, lasting until 2027. And we can definitely move around, but. Would we want to get a guy like Marvin Bagley? And I think that he's great. I think that he has untapped potential. He's kind of gotten a raw deal with the Sacramento Kings, right? So you bring him in and you kind of just add him on to everything you have going on. Like he just turned 22 years old, so he matches your timeline. You have to kind of get the contract ready for him though, because if he continues to play on like 15 and 8 splits, he's going to be begging for a lot of money. And I don't know if you can do that, honestly, with all the selections you're going to be having to introduce into the roster in the next coming years so I don't know if he'd make that cut to be quite honest with you I think for the now Marvin Bagley would be great but long term it doesn't really make much sense and it's because the power forward position has gotten so competitive Darius Baisley he is still gone and you almost can't even tell to be quite honest with you because Pokachevsky and Isaiah Roby have really stepped up their game I think same can be said with Kenrich Williams whenever he's playing at that position. And even to a lesser extent, I think Justin Jackson, when he plays, has been doing a lot better. 
as opposed to, you know, the first couple weeks that he was playing with our our team. So I think that Darius Baisley, he's going to need his minutes, and it's a real question on whether he should just be a small forward or a power forward moving on. He plays like a small forward, but you move him up to power forward to get that edge, and it's kind of been a little bit on and off with him. So I could see sliding him down, but I think as of right now, you don't want to move him from power forward. And then you got Pokachevsky, a man who is a three and a four right now. But I think with him being seven feet tall, if his body shapes up the way you'd like it to and he actually develops, I don't know. I think it's kind of a toss-up where you would put him as well. So those are two guys that are definitely in their long-term future that are going to be playing time of that four. And then you got to throw in Isaiah Roby, who has been just the jack of all trades, like three through five, he will do it all for you. I think that happy medium, though, is going to be at that four position unless there's just no one to serve as a five and I think if anything if you get him he'd be playing at the center spot right now and you'd have him you'd have Brown and Horford's there but he's not really for your future so I guess he would be playing at that five but do you want a guy like that I think that the primary deal with the Thunder is they need people who can kind of pick and pop and Marvin Bagley he's really not going to be giving that to you at a very effective rate now he actually kind of bolstered his percentages like on the season he's not doing that bad from three shooting 35 percent but before that you know whenever he's kind of injury plagued he was shooting around the 30 percent mark that's all right for a center um but i don't know i think that if you're gonna get somebody to pair with sga and just everybody at that five it needs to be a person that you're completely sold on and i'm not really sold on the fact that he's the best option on the table. So I don't think you'd place an offer on him. But I do think, you know, for just like a a late first round pick, like that Warriors one we have, it might not be that bad of an idea. But I think you kind of just got to wait it out and see what goes on with him. I'd probably rule it out of the equation that Marvin Bagley suits up in a Thunder uniform. Another one that I've heard is Lonzo Ball. And I almost just did this one on its own because I could talk about him for ages just with everything that's gone on with him, like from the time he was with Chino Hills to UCLA, his dad is just hilarious for the most part. He's got a whole entire storyline to him. You can make a movie out of his first couple seasons in the NBA because there's so much substance there. And you're at a point again where LeVar, I don't really know if LeVar is the driving force here, but it sounds like he doesn't want Lonzo in New Orleans anymore. And it seems like it's kind of mutual. I mean, the Pelicans, they have Eric Bledsoe. They can't move him because the contract is pretty ugly for them. If you want to move out Bledsoe, you're not going to get the value. And I don't think Lonzo Ball really fits their long-term plans at that point guard spot. So you kind of got to look towards other teams to bring in some nice assets. Like Lonzo Ball is a very good point guard. Um, and he's young too. So it gives you everything you need deal is how does he kind of work out and what would he get on a market now i think for the thunder they don't have what the pelicans need for a deal to work they have picks but i think they actually probably would like players right now to build around and you can give them two first round picks and they might you know think about it but the atlanta hawks have the best offer on the table and even now we don't know if that would work out they got cam reddish a guy who also is in a pretty bad situation like uh, Marvin Bagley, where he has way too many 
people to be competing for. Like, he can't even get real minutes in the rotation right now because they picked up Gallinari, they picked up Bogdanovich, and now they have DeAndre Hunter just going crazy. So they are so stacked there. There's no room for him left. They need a point guard. I think that's kind of the match made in heaven between those two teams. But I don't know if, I don't know if that'd be a, a surefire thing. I think that Atlanta probably would love it. I don't know if the Pelicans would do it. And you'd probably get into some dispute where it goes over on picks. With us, it's very straightforward. You're getting picks if we're getting Lonzo Ball off you. And I don't know if they want that. So, you know, they'd probably ask for some young players. Like, could Darius Baisley be in a kind of offer like that? Probably so. But I don't think Sam Presti would do that. I don't think Sam Presti would move out anybody like a Maladone or any of those young players. So I think that you can kind of rule Lonzo Ball off the table. And that might be a good thing because sure, Lonzo Ball is a great playmaker and he's actually been improving his shot from downtown. But you can't really pair him with SGA that well. I, I don't think they really coagulate that amazing. And it's because he likes being the number one guy. Lonzo Ball loves being the primary ball handler. And I think that if you're going to have SGA with another ball handler, it's kind of got to be a bipartisan agreement where 50% of the time you got Shea taking the ball up other half, you got the other guy kind of working around. And I don't think Lonzo Ball really has, you know, that... I don't really think he'd work out like that, if you know what I mean. I don't think he's like a Maladone or a George Hill where he will split the time and do an amazing job. I think he needs to run the floor, and I don't think Oklahoma City can provide that anyways. So Lonzo Ball's out of the equation. I think Marvin Bagley a little more likely, but still out of that equation. John Collins is a great one, and I'm a big fan of John Collins. I think that he is the ideal stretch five or stretch four for the Thunder's future. I mean, he would be an amazing fit around what we currently have going on. He's in the final deal of his rookie scale contract, and the reason that he's even on the market is because the Atlanta Hawks don't want to pay him. They have too many guys that they will need to pay in the next coming years. So I know that Nate, Nate McMillan, he's just been great coaching everybody there, and they're on a hot streak. So I don't even know if Collins is a necessity to get rid of now. Maybe you just let it ride and see what happens with him. But they don't want to pay him. He wants 100 mil over four years at a minimum. Like that's what you would base it off of. And even then, that's where negotiations probably would start with him, to be honest with you. They're offering 90 mil, and John Collins and his camp are not having that. So that's why he's being kind of searched out. And everybody, everybody wants to a say in this John Collins sweepstakes because he is amazing. He's so young and he's crazy athletic for his position. Like he could be in dunk contests and probably, you know, if he was playing in this year's dunk contest, he would have won with flying colors. But yeah, I mean, he is a freak when it comes to that. He can play in the pick and roll, pick and pop. He is also super deadly. And I think that's what makes him so great to pair along with someone like Shea who needs kind of a person to pop off on screens. And Horford's done it, but he's not really fast enough to go inside. He does it at all three levels, and he can even ISO himself. If he's got a center on him, a traditional center, he's way faster than him. So he'll be able to get that blow by. He'll get the angle, and he'll be able to create, some, create something. So he's like a 20-10 and 10 monster, almost. And that's the kind of player that you want to keep around long term. I think everybody knows that this is not going to be a trade when it comes to John Collins if he does get moved. 
this is not going to be a surefire he gets sent over to a contender i think that there probably should be a, all 29 gms calling about this guy at least trying to see what the market what would be necessary from them and i think it also is like you need a young player you need picks it's kind of like that cam reddish thing where you'd want alonzo ball i've seen things where it's like marcus smart for john collins is where you'd start looking towards stuff and i don't know i think that they definitely do need a point guard so alonzo and marcus smart make sense i don't know if the celtics would be able to come to an agreement giving up a guy like marcus smart so they need a guard and they need one fast but they also need to build for the future so oklahoma city they have guards like shoot they'll they'll give you george hill right but that's not gonna work out like he's 34 no way you got maladon you're not gonna give him up in a trade even for john collins ty jerome i don't think you'd give him up in a trade for john collins so now you're just left with the picks and yeah i think that you know we do have some pretty quality picks and the thing that makes it kind of good here is that a lot of our picks down the line are kind of mysterious like we have the houston rockets picks whether it's a swap or we just straight up have it one through four protected for a little while and then we also pretty much own the clippers in like for the next like five years or whatever so we have that and i think that with the hawks and their timeline they don't have enough real money to be able to continue to surface these first round picks develop them and then get them on long-term deals it's going to be like john collins all over again i i know i discussed this but you have cam reddish you have deandre hunter you have trey young you have collins but i don't know if you're going to keep him forever Gallinari's not long-term. I don't think Bogdanovich is either. But then you got guys like Onyeka Okongwu, and you still got picks leading down the line. Like You're going to need to get your checkbook ready, and I don't know if they're fully prepared to do that. So maybe you just give them picks later down the road. I, I know we have a 76ers pick as well, too. Give them two of those and at least see what happens there. Would you give up a guy like Kenrich Williams to tilt the scales in your favor? That's more of a Presty thing. I think that Kendrick Williams on his own should garner a pretty solid value anyways. I already talked about him in um, in my, one of my previous podcasts. But yeah, I think that if you're going to make a deal, since you're not able to get that young player, at least you wouldn't imagine they would, you're looking at giving up two first-round picks and hope that no one else gives a good enough offer. And they really just want to get rid of them, which I don't know if that's a surefire thing at this point. I think that the um, the next player would be Mo Bamba, and this is just the budget option here. This is another project piece that you kind of stash along in the bench unit, and you see what happens. This is another Shima Kyluke test where you give him a couple months to gauge where he is, and then you kind of make a decision later down the road. Like Mo Bamba, he's kind of a unique guy. Like he came into his draft class as just like this big enigma. Like, he's seven feet tall, I think. His wingspan was, like, seven foot nine. Don't quote me on that, but I think it was close to seven nine. Like, he was breaking records, and he was one of the biggest storylines coming into the 2018 draft. So he ends up getting picked sixth overall by the Orlando Magic, and they just don't really use him. And now he can't find minutes over Kem Birch. Somehow he can't find minutes over Kem Birch. 
they just love the prototypical centers and Bamba does not do that for you so he's still kind of this this project piece and he's 22 bad to be 23 so he's a lot older than I originally thought to be quite honest with you but he still has that potential and it's clearly untapped like they have not played him much he's only played 22 games this season playing just over 10 minutes that's not enough to even see any value he's posting 4.6 points 3.9 rebounds 0.3 assists and 0.9 blocks he was a stretch five coming out of texas or that was the hope with him he's kind of dropped off with the lack of play so he's averaging 28 percent from outside i'm not going to give it a major knock on him i think that you know when you're getting garbage time minutes it's a completely different game where you just shoot no matter what and make or miss it doesn't really matter to you that's kind of what i feel when it comes to bomba so i'm not taking that straight to the heart i don't think that if you put him on the thunder and give him serious minutes he would be playing like that i think he's just another guy where it'd be like pogachevsky where sometimes he'll be great sometimes he's gonna suck and it's because he just is so inexperienced so you bring him on i think that a value for him it's also like a marvin bagley value like a late first early second which i would clearly pick bagley over bomba i think the money is where it's like you know, maybe Bamba will be worth it. I don't know, though. I think that Sam Presti easily could get Bamba, though, because they're not necessarily needing anybody right now. I think that they are just going to go into full-on tank mode. Aaron Gordon's out the door. Vucevic is on the market for two first-round picks and swaps and all that. So they're in seller mode, and you don't have Marco full to remainder of the year you kind of are just looking to tank and work on from that like the next season so they want picks and we can give it to them i don't think it'd be hard it just comes down to do you really think that mo bomba is worth it because if you bring him on it's going to be bomba and moses brown being your centers horford he's there but just like with marvin bagley he's out the door he's one foot out that door already so would, would that work I don't know. It's got to be a decision made between Presti and Dagnalt. I like it. I like a gamble every once in a while. So I wouldn't be mad if this happened. But at the same time, you got a lot of draft picks. And, you know, Evan Mobley is that key prize. I don't know if you'd be able to get him. You can't get him and Cade Cunningham or all these people. There's so many stacked guys in this class. But if you get somebody like him, there's no point in having a guy such as um, a Bomba. If you get a John Collins, no point. There's a lot better centers than him, a lot, a lot of them, and I think if you fetch one of those guys that are under 25, Bamba, there's no point in having him on your roster, so you kind of stash him in, and you ingrain him in the system, hope something pans out, it's kind of a hit or miss, and you know, if it's only like a second round pick, you say, let's do it, and you live with the result of it, but I'd probably say a first round pick might be a little bit too much, at least for my liking on him. So that's what I was thinking. I mean, before they had everybody trading, like everyone on that team was trying to get traded. I was thinking, you know what? Maybe you could just get Mike Muscala in on a deal and work off of that because Mike Muscala fills their needs for a stretch four, especially if Gordon's gone and Vucevic stays. But the more I think about it, the more I'm like, I don't think they'd care that much. So it'd probably just come down to picks anyways. Last guy I had was 
my pipe dream pick. I have Paul Reed again. I always have Paul Reed in my trades because I am so high on him. He just got the award for not just the rookie of the year in the G League, but the MVP. He was posting double-double numbers. I think he was averaging like 22 points, 11 rebounds, and like a block and a half or something wild. And he was hitting shots from all across the floor. He's another Isaiah Roby where you can play him four and five, six foot nine, and looks like he's still got a lot more room to grow. So he'd be more of those be- like a beefy guy who has a more diverse game for where you place him on the floor. Just another person that you could kind of fit in that puzzle. That's where you get him, you say, no way we're getting Mo Bamba with this guy. You probably try to test him at the five or you try lineups. We got Roby at small ball five, Reed at the four, mix and match it all over the place. He's just another glue person that would really be amazing with the rebuild going on. And we don't know what the value would be. Right now, he doesn't have current time with the 76ers. And it's because they're contending. I mean, I think that him coming in on a two-way contract, they weren't really intending on playing him. But now it's almost like he needs the minutes. Like he has earned the minutes from his time in Orlando. And if they can't give it, you know, they may just hold on to him for later. But if they want to contend, that's when you look at him as an asset. So you'd have to waive somebody or you'd have to do like a two-for-one deal or whatever the whatever it may be. But you need to be able to convert his contract from that two-way to a standard like rookie deal. You get him and then you start looking at, let's, let's trade him over to the Thunder. What can they bring us? I think Kendrick Williams would be amazing for them. Mike Muscala he'd be great. The only stretch four they have is Mike Scott, and I think that Muscala is probably an upgrade there anyways. So those are the two people that I think would help them. And then you look at the picks. I wouldn't mind giving up a pick or two, second round pick, um, to get someone like Reed because I know that his future is going to be bright if he's in a Thunder uniform. If he's with the 76ers and he doesn't get time, I could see him just being like a, a summer league standout that never got a second chance. So I think we could cash in on the opportunity. I know Presti probably has him on his radar, to be honest with you, if Philadelphia ever comes calling. They showed interest in George Hill earlier in the season. Maybe, maybe you could try to pry him away on a deal like that. So that's what I'd be hopeful for with him. But now you got to look towards what you'd be giving up. And I think that, as I've had on the podcast before, we do have a lot of guys that we are actively trying to move around. Now, we already got Diallo and Ariza off, but you still have Myers Leonard left, Justin Jackson, Kenrich Williams, George Hill, Mike Muscala, and Al Horford. And even Darius Miller, you could throw into that list as well. So that's where you get um, get your lucky number seven there. But I'm not sure if all of them are going to get tra- traded. Like, obviously, Sam Presti wants to sell off on all of them, but... I don't know. I feel like there's going to be a chance where only 50% of these guys get moved. I think that there are two players that I know for sure probably are going to get traded. That's George Hill and Mike Muscala for obvious reasons. I think Mike Muscala is going to get you a second round pick and whoever's going to pick him up. They got an expiring contract in him. He's going to be great as a stretch for and potentially you can bring him back for another playoff run in the next season with George Hill, you know, 9.5 mil on the books for this season. Next season doesn't have that high of a guarantee. It's like 1.275. So you can waive him and you only end up burning 1.2 mil. If you want to hold on, he's going to be a 10 million expiring. So 
you get flexibility and he gives you point guard roles that you'd love to see like every team needs a person like George Hill he has a playoff experience he has the ability to play in the forefront of your offense or kind of play sidekick and just dominate anyways so he has that market we know that and I think Sam Presti knows that it's a lot less appealing trying to trade off a 35 year old on a you know a 10 million dollar contract than a 34 year old 9.5 million dollar contract and he's been looking good at least he has been looking good uh until he suffered that injury so there's a lot of time and I think point guard's tend to kind of regress a lot quicker than some other people so you want to get rid of them now and i think that other teams know that it might just be low bidding and may have to go a little bit under expectations to get rid of george hill but that's kind of whatever so those are the two guys you know that are going to get moved i think kenrich williams he's kind of close there i know that they definitely are fielding offers on him and i'd love to see him stick around if like a first round pick or a young piece doesn't present itself in a, in a package deal but you know, if you want to trade him for two second round picks, be my guest, I guess. Sam Presti, we're just going to get another player in off that second, get you two more for the next draft class. So it's completely cool. Completely cool how Sam Presti does it. I'm not going to doubt his decisions. But yeah, Sam Presti is going to have a decision to make with Kenrich Williams. You either hold him on, hold on to him, and he's going to be a certified veteran for you for the future. Or you dump him off with that beautiful three-year, $6 million contract, and he's going to be contending for three years for somebody else. So, I don't know. I think that he will get value. Just depends on how much and what is going to be Sam Presti's kind of breaking point to want to cut ties with a player such as Kenrich Williams. I think outside of that, though, you kind of get into the other players where it's like, I'm not too sure. Darius Miller and Justin Jackson are like that. They're both on expirings. I honestly didn't even think Justin Jackson was going to be a tradable piece until Woj came out and said that teams were actually filtering and like calling Sam Presti about him. I still don't know if I believe that. Like, I know Woj is probably the most credible source out there. It's going to, I don't know, man. I'm going to need a little bit more evidence until we get to see a trade. I mean, he's been good. He seems like a great guy, but I don't know. I don't know if what a deal would look like and if it'd give you any draft capital if it does that'd be sweet with Darius Miller he's just an expiring someone can get seven mil and give a protected second round pick or something who cares just give us a roster spot to sign Moses Brown and then you got Myers Leonard don't think he's gonna get moved only way he will is if you expand the deal that was already made a little while ago and I don't even know if a team would want to get Myers Leonard right now so that's a thing you have to always consider. And then with Al Horford, his contract is pretty ugly. Making 81 mil over the next three years. The only person who can just absorb him right into their TPE is Danny Age, Age with the Boston Celtics. Because the Gordon Hayward contract or sign and trade deal that they had over the offseason. So that's the only option. And then I've seen the Bulls kind of float around. They need a, a, like a true center. Because Laurie Markkinen and Wendell Carter Jr. are not going to cut it. You saw that when Moses Brown broke history against them. So they need a center. Maybe you can try to trade him. I don't know if you'd really want assets back or if it's just dump him off, you get the money freed, and you can kind of tinker around with your just completely youth-filled lineup. So that's where you got to get creative with the move on Horford, and that's kind of what you have to work with there. But that's just my 
kind of set seven players that I think are on the market. Everybody else, if they're in a move, it's going to be a surprise to me, at least because of how young they are, and they probably do have a future with a franchise. If any of them get moved, it's going to have to be for a very good player. So I'll have to give a reaction if anyone that kind of is unexpected ends up swapping jerseys over the next couple of days. But moving on to something that we are going to see tonight. It's going to be the Thunder going up against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Minnesota, they are 1.5 games back from the Houston Rockets. So they are the 15th seed. They are the worst team in the league. But right above them, the Houston Rockets are closely approaching. So it's another game where it's like, do we purposely lose? What should we do here? I just want to see a good contest. I mean, Anthony Edwards has looked like a rising star. I think that they have actual momentum to ride on. Houston, they had nothing to kind of work with they just kind of fell apart in their last game so minnesota will actually be a true test i do think that they have a roster that is a lot better than what their record would project same actually kind of goes with the rockets too but you know they just have chemistry issues nobody's getting along over there so you got that going on you're gonna have a lot of people still out dort's not gonna be playing you don't have Baisley, and then al horford's resting this is the fourth time in the last five games that he has rested and it's for obvious reasons there's calls around Al Horford guys there's no debate George Hill he is out of his cast he's not going to be playing they said that's going to take a while to kind of check in on him we're not going to see him playing on the Thunder most likely because he's not going to be playing for this game and he's not going to be playing before the deadline so that's kind of my key points of emphasis here you're going to get Shea back and you're actually just barely gonna top your uh your age from the last game because um because of how the roster is kind of getting tinkered around again so we had the second youngest lineup of all time in the last game just barely gonna be above it by like 30 days or so don't quote me on that i just know it's a little bit higher so you don't get to break any history books you're gonna be close though so we'll watch out see how they do, and I will make sure to talk to you guys about it in the next episode. But other than that, though, guys, that is going to wrap up today's podcast. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.